Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hello, my beautiful friend. We have a really special, exciting guest on today's episode. For you gals in the U.S., you might not know her as well as us gals here in the U.K., but we are welcoming Millie McIntosh to the podcast today. Millie was the star of a reality show called Made in Chelsea. She was on it for five seasons. She was definitely my favorite on that show, and she has gone on to have so many incredible beauty and fashion collaborations with brands all over the world. She is a mother of two beautiful little girls. And if you're not following her already on Instagram, all of her tips on wellness and beauty and fashion are so fun to follow. But I actually got to meet up with Millie because we were put in touch by a mutual friend knowing that we were both sober gals because Millie has recently celebrated one year alcohol-free. I got to meet up with her and chat all about sobriety. And then I asked her to come on our podcast and she said yes. And so we're so lucky to have her. So without further ado, here's our chat with Millie McIntosh. Hi, ladies. How are you? Good morning or good afternoon to y'all, right? (laughs) Yeah. That third voice that you hear is the gorgeous, lovely Millie McIntosh. We're so excited to have you today to chat with us. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. Very excited. Apologies in advance if I don't make any sense because both my kids had me up a lot last night and I'm feeling quite jaded today. (laughs) Yeah, we were just talking about before we hit record how being exhausted can feel like a hangover. Yeah, right. Like, how weird that we're here to talk about my sobriety and I feel like I've got a hangover, but it's purely based on just the tiredness of two toddlers, but it kind of feels the same as having a night out. Yeah, and knowing the effects of alcohol on our sleep and how not rested or how we're not getting that good deep sleep when when we've been drinking and staying out late and all of those things. I mean, it makes good sense. But gosh, how much worse would it be? If- I was, right? Like, like I, could, I could not have got through my day today if I'd had a few drinks last night. Even like one glass of wine would have made me feel a lot worse today. And yeah, I got up, got my work done, here chatting to you ladies, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be kind to myself and I'm going to binge watch um, Selig Sunset after this. <laughs> I was really, I was very excited to see that that has popped up uh, this week. So yeah, I've kind of scheduled in some me time also to uh, to catch up on that rest. Yeah, and oh my gosh, I love that you said that so much because I think that's one of the things actually that Mead and I work on with clients is scheduling in rest, right? And you time and all of that stuff, which I think when we're living a life drinking by default and not by design where we can schedule this stuff in it takes a real a real toll on us totally yeah i'm all about embracing slowness and it does not come naturally to me so i am i'm having to have like remind myself i've actually yeah been having panic attacks recently and it's because i'm not listening to my mm-hmm. to, to the signs and I'm, you know got a lot on my plate so my recent panic attack kind of showed me where I need to actually like listen 
to my body and what it needs and actually kind of schedule in downtime. Yeah, that's so true. And just like reevaluate how I spend my time and plan my my schedule every week and how what I prioritize and and I I need to shift things a little bit because my mental health and well-being has not been the priority. Mm-hmm. And it takes getting used to, I think, too. That was something that was, you know, it was like the second part of this journey for me where it was like, oh, because now I can be more proactive and more intentional, you know, like what are those things that I get to bring into? I I was living life so reactively when I was stuck in the drinking cycle. I mean, I was just on, I was just playing defense constantly. If it was, you know, if I didn't feel great the next day, then it was like, yeah, me time was more recovering from you know, too much wine the night before, or I'm too exhausted. And so I'm, I don't care. I'm just going to cancel whatever I have or, or what have you. Whereas now that proactive, but there's still a learning curve to that. It's still like, this is a new journey and it's so much better than where I was stuck before. But of course, because it's new and different, it's going to take some, you know, adjusting. So sounds like maybe you're kind of feeling that how I'm curious to know. I know a little bit about your story, but I'm curious to kind of know how long have you been alcohol free and kind of, and also like going back even further from that, what did, you know, kind of what's your story? Yeah. So I have been alcohol free nearly 15 months. So um, the 25th of November, I'll be 15 months. And yeah, it's, it's honestly kind of flown by. I decided to go alcohol free last summer and I kind of have like, why did I not do this before? Like, yes. why? Like, why yes. did it take me so long? Yeah. It's been like a real homecoming, like just to really, truly start to get to know myself and get to start to actually do the healing. All the feelings I was masking with alcohol have been coming up. So a little bit about where I'm at right now, to be honest, it's not just super easy, smooth sailing just because I'm alcohol free. I'm doing a lot of work on myself and inner child work and I'm having panic attacks and I'm really in it and I'm having quite a lot of anxiety that I just thought if I was sober would just go completely yeah actually like no now you get to feel your feelings and it's hard (laughs) but it's still like so worth it but it's a bit of a roller coaster right now and I feel like it's because I'm going through a real point of change like leaving a lot of the old me behind it's like I know on the other side of it is it's going to be so much easier and I've just got to get like ride out this bit that I'm really like in it right now for a lot of reasons like just with like work my, the age my kids are at like the tiredness but I'm doing a lot of um the self-work I feel like I can't even fully explain all of it because I'm so in the process that it's hard to talk about it yeah do you know what I mean like it's like yeah. I can and it's also so personal to each person but I'm doing a lot of inner child work and like things like body work and breath work and doing lots of trauma release and like lots of kind of more spiritual practices and leading into that. And that's really what's helping me through. You know, I love that the way that you approach all of this so much, Millie, because you've always been so honest and so open and so vulnerable. And, and, and you do that with when you talk about your sobriety journey, but also when you talk about, you know, parenting young kids. And that's what I think is so amazing about what you're doing is because that vulnerability is relatable to so many women and so many moms. And I just, yeah, so appreciative of you, of you saying what's real, you know, because 
sobriety isn't all sunshine and unicorn and rainbows, you know? It's often when the real work starts. Totally. I don't think I had really scratched the surface of doing any self-work until I got sober. I thought, I was like, yeah, I do therapy. I'm working on myself. I had not scratched the surface because I couldn't even properly access my true emotions. Yeah, I have had quite a fractured relationship with alcohol for most of my life since I started drinking in my early teens. The first time I ever, you know, my first drunk experience, you know, drank to blackout and like threw up and was like really humiliated. And the boy I was dating like dumped me the next day. And it felt like I just got off on a bad foot with that because then I just kind of kept repeating this cycle of, of drinking to blackout, drinking too much, like drinking, not, you know, waking up being like, what happened last night? And it just kind of continues. Like not every time, but I've definitely never really learned to have those good boundaries with alcohol where I could just have like one or two drinks. And yeah, of course, there's plenty of times where I did just have a glass of wine or one to two drinks. But quite often when I plan to just have one to two drinks, it would end up being, you know, a binge drinking session that I would take like days to recover from. Mm-hmm. As I was getting older, that was the, you know, the, the anxiety and the hangovers which just got worse and worse. And, you know, I've been in the public eye for over 10 years. I feel like that like kind of adds into it, the stress that comes with that. But then also like, you know, being seen out, like have, when you're kind of really drunk and getting pictured and dealing with the anxiety from that. And then having my kids and stress of being like a a young mom and a new mom it just did not mix well with me and alcohol and I had a couple of things happen where I was like this is a sign I need to like take note I had like a couple of things that happened over a year one was at a friend's hen party after like two days of drinking I just could I literally like couldn't pick myself up off the floor I was Mm -hmm. in a lovely hotel everyone else was like hungover but they could kind of cope But I just, Mm -hmm. I literally was like, I'm going to jump out that window because that would be easier than feeling like how broken I feel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my best friend was like, when the next day, like when I was feeling a bit better, she was like, I cannot like see you like that again. She was like, you know, like you, she was like, you just, you're different to other people. You cannot handle how it's making, how it's affecting your mental health. She was like, that. you just got to like take note of that because this is really like not good for you. So that was one quite big thing. <laughs> then uh, I went to a wedding where I planned to just have one to two drinks, got blackout drunk, you know, was just in a state all night, uh, just literally being that person that everyone tries to run away from at a party, losing my phone continually, like crying in the corner. Like just, just I saw the pictures from the wedding and I was just in the background of loads of them, just like completely just just looking off my face it was I was so embarrassed and had a kind of big fight with my husband was just just wasn't good and then I had a massive panic attack after drinking not long after that and felt like I was dying it was probably at that point the worst panic attack I'd had I I really truly believed I was dying and in that moment I was like I could never like you know do this to myself again with alcohol and that was the, when I stopped drinking. Yeah. I was listening to your story on another podcast and I actually had the same jump out the window thought at one point during a really bad hangover. I so relate with that. 
that maybe that would just be easier, you know, than feeling like this right now. And and I just I'm so glad we're we're all saying it because of what we've been conditioned to believe that alcohol is, right? Which is the thing that makes everything sunner, brighter, better. And it's yeah. so and it's so not that for so many people. Definitely. It's it wasn't for me. It just, you know, yeah, it promises to bring you like fun and, you know, like joy. And actually it was like destroying the joy in my mm-hmm. life. Because mm-hmm. like there's no way you can feel joy when you feel anxious. And yeah. honestly, I am so glad to have removed it from my life. And I said to myself, like, I'm going to do this for a year and just see. But there's no kind of going back now, I don't think, because I've tried every way to make alcohol work for me. And it mm-hmm. just doesn't. Yeah. So then I was like, maybe if I just do loads of work on myself and figure out why I'm anxious and fix myself, then I'll be able to drink again without feeling anxious, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll figure it out. But then I started listening to lots of podcasts and reading about the effects of alcohol on the body and brain. And I was like, oh, but alcohol actually is making me more anxious as well. It's not just like making me sensitive. And I am a very emotionally sensitive person. But no, alcohol is actually like damaging your brain <laughs> and creating more anxiety. We always talk about how, yeah, it, it, for me, it was, I mean, literally, I didn't know, but it was throwing gasoline on the fire. I was already feeling, I was more of a anxious type, if you will, and type A with all the, you know, all the things, holding it all together, doing all the whatever, and, you know, pouring alcohol, pouring wine into on a regular basis and to excess at times was literally just adding gasoline to the fire. And once I found freedom from alcohol, I was like, wow. And to your point, like it doesn't all like it doesn't all go away, but we're able to manage it. And it, it's greatly reduced. My anxiety is so much less. I'm also, you know, four years here into this journey where you're so newly and I so appreciate what Christy said. I just want to echo that too, that like you talking about it kind of like in process is just so beautiful and so valuable. And so thank you for doing that. But, I love what you just said about like the freedom. Yeah. Because it really is like the most freeing thing. And a big shift for me was when I realized I get to not drink. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get to yes. choose yep. to, for, to put myself first. Fuck what anyone else thinks or says or if it makes them uncomfortable. Actually, this is me prioritizing myself, my future self, how I'm going to feel tomorrow and how my future me is going to feel. And just like honoring myself. I I would love to hear too about like the impact that that has had on your kids because that, yeah, that's one of the things that I learned. It's like I wanted, my drinking was such that I was like, okay, I can see where it's getting in the way and it's, I'm not able to be the mom that I want to be. Think, you know, going into it, like I'm doing this for the kids. No, if we do it from a standpoint of taking care of ourselves, you know, getting into the, like doing the work that we get to do to kind of see where we've maybe been kicking the can down the road or pushing things down that we haven't dealt with that needs to come up. Like doing that work is then what has allowed me to just show up the way I don't like have to effort so much showing up the way I want to show up with my kids. It just happens naturally because I'm kind of like pouring from that full cup again. Has that been your experience or are you seeing that? So far, like I'm 
I'm not going to lie, like my kids, it's hard. Like they're, they're ages that they are, two and three. Yeah. It's so intense. It really mm-hmm. feels like it's turned up a notch recently. And I am so glad I'm sober because sometimes, you know, when they trigger me in that moment, I do feel like snapping or, you know, I'm not perfect. Like I try to gentle parent. Sometimes I do like shout and then I catch myself and I say sorry. But if I was drinking, I think I would, my fuse would be so much shorter. Mm-hmm. And also it's like I'm present for like 90% of every bath and bedtime. You know, I do work. I'm not around with them all day, every day during the week. But I make sure to be there for them and like those times when it's important and we have like quality time together. And I think if I was drinking, I wouldn't like care so much about having that time. I'd be more like, yeah. that's when mommy needs her drink and, you know, so daddy can put them to bed or our nanny can put them to bed because mama's just going to unwind from the day with a, you know, nice gin and tonic while she makes dinner. But I'm like, no, dinner can, or I'll make, I'll prioritize, like I'll prep dinner earlier in the day so I can like then put them to bed and like, spend most of that time reading stories and then still have like an evening with my husband and I'm so glad that they're going to grow up to see me as a role model Mm. and have that and all I can do is just talk to them openly and honest honestly about my experiences and you know obviously I hope they won't use alcohol in the way that I did as a teen I hope that they won't feel that they need to I was I was bullied quite a lot at school and I think that's what led to the binge drinking in the teens to like escape how I felt so I'm I'm confident that they're going to have a different experience than I did and I think that like younger generations are now luckily drinking differently to how we did yeah a hundred percent and take it as someone who literally was just I couldn't short circuit dinner, bath, and bed fast enough when my kids were that age. Yeah. I honestly couldn't. I didn't want to do it. I wanted someone else to do it. I wanted the nanny to do it. I wanted anybody to do it. Yeah. All I really cared about was getting that quote-unquote reward relief at the end of the day from the wine. And so it's so important, I think, to show the the difference of what what it feels like to be the parent that does actually want to be there for the bath time because it's one thing to just be there and there's an, and there's another thing to like want to be there you know and i was listening to you say there was a, a photograph of you know i don't know what exactly what it was but you were you were drinking and you were like nervous for the girls to like see it one day you know and i just thought to myself oh my gosh but millie like you get to show them like what that was compared to what now is and what they're going to remember they're what they're going to remember is you being there every single night for 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 you know or most night when it counted and that's that's what the most important thing i feel like the stage i'm at with my kids at the moment and then also the work i'm doing on myself which is a lot of inner child work is quite interesting and it's really making me like reparent myself Mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of really triggering me in in the way that I'm doing my own self work as well. I think because Sienna really looks like me as a child too. So when I do have those moments where I'm finding it really hard, I just yeah, I just, I just have to kind of remember to just that my inner child gets triggered too. My inner toddler wants to come out too, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, it's it's definitely helping me to just remember how small she is and how 
how it is in her mind and how to kind of respond to her instead of just responding with like fire because we're very similar and we're both quite feisty and she can bring out like and it's like okay that's not going to get me anywhere so I have to take like a different approach it's definitely teaching me a lot and I do feel I don't always feel like I'm getting it right just I don't think any of us do. Any of us in, as soon as I'm like, okay, I'm getting this right, then uh, yeah, I get a a quick reminder of how, yeah, how many mistakes I make. But I I think about how your girls are never going to have any memory of you drinking. Like my my kids, when I found freedom from alcohol, were a little bit older. The younger one won't won't remember but the other two do remember and and now they have this ability to kind of even say like what is different which is nice to hear too but your girls are just gonna know mom who was present and the capacity that we have when we're free from alcohol the capacity to go to even ask the questions of like did I handle I felt Mm -hmm. irritated then and I did you know like I still I mean I still definitely lose my, you know, lose my temper sometimes and, you know, raise my voice. It's about about how you, what happens after though, right? And I think that's so important. It's important to show our kids that we fuck up too. And if, you know, if you lose it and shout, Mm. it feels so awful in that moment, but you can rectify it by saying, Mm. hey, I'm sorry. I meant Mm -hmm. that. I shouldn't have shouted. I'm sorry I shouted at you. And showing Mm -hmm. them that it's okay and just to say, Mummy, mummy messes up too. And we say yeah. sorry and we hug it out and we talk about it and it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's like makes it much, much less damaging than just like shouting and then like leaving the house and not resolving it and leaving it like that. The other day, um, I'm quite an emotional person. I do, I, I do cry and I'm welcoming it more recently and just trying to be more like, you know, it's okay being more okay with crying. But it's hard for me to cry in front of my kids because I don't want them to see me upset because I'm meant to be like Mm -hmm. their rock. And it's like, you know, I don't want them to feel unsafe. But it had had been a lot that day and I had shut myself in the bathroom and was crying. Sienna just kept banging the door saying, mommy, 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 let me in, let me in. And eventually I did let her in and I let her see that I was crying. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, mommy, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, like, mommy. Mommy's finding things really hard right now. Like mommy's feel, mommy's feeling really overwhelmed. And she just, she was just so sweet. She just came, gave me a hug. Mm-hmm. And she was like, come and watch TV with me, mommy. And, and I did. And, you know, we had a cuddle. And I think it, it was good for her to see that, you know, I'm not perfect too. And like, it's okay to cry. And also just to show her that she, that crying isn't bad. And when she does have tantrums, I'm very much like, just let it out. It's okay. Just don't, don't cry and stop it. That's just like, I feel like the worst thing we can say to them when they're in the middle of that tantrum. Mm-hmm. Millie, I yeah. just have like full chills when you said, when you described that scene, because I, you had said like, it's less damaging when we can, you know, come back and say, I made a mistake. But even being less, more than less damaging, it is so valuable for our, that's something I've learned that I didn't even, I just didn't, I wasn't paying attention to any of that stuff when I was stuck in the drinking mm-hmm. cycle. I just wasn't. It just wasn't on my radar. I was just trying to survive, just trying to keep my head above the water, honestly. And the the value that in being able to teach them that, like of how to have the emotions, then I mean, that right there is is huge and, and pay, is going to pay dividends far greater than 
yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. I also really wanted to ask you both, like when you were in your like first like year or, or two of sobriety, like did you find like you turned to something else? Because I am addicted to chocolate. Like, <laughs> I, you're not alone. If, if I, I had, had a penny for every time we heard yeah. that, right? <laughs> you're probably like, oh God, where's she going with this? But I didn't yes. used to ever really care about chocolate that much. Like I'm more of a savory person. I've just never like been that into chocolate. I could take it or leave it. And now I have to have chocolate like every day. I did it too. I did it too. I, I no. Well, first of all, I know that you eat really healthy. I eat, t- like, I eat paleo chocolate, you know, or like, I'm, yeah. it's not like the kind of refined sugar kind. I like like really dark chocolate. So I have to have a little piece like every day or I'm not eating like, you know, 10 chocolate bars a day, but I'm having my, a little hot chocolate or a, a little, yeah, just a little piece of chocolate here and there. And I'm just obsessed. Yeah, I did that. I did. I did the same thing. Probably not as healthy of a chocolate, but I had, I had a lot of chocolate, and I also had a like a, a mocktail every night. I did. I did my whole thing during COVID. So it was at five p.m. It was Pink Lady time, and it was ginger ale, cranberry juice, and lime. And we all, the whole family, had them. But it was, yeah. I think, and I think that that ritual and that swap and is important. You know, Mead. What about you? Yeah. Well, so when I, when I was stuck in the drinking cycle, I would never have taken, I, I mean, I like sweets. I like desserts. I like chocolate, but I would, if I was taking the calories from wine, I would not, I would never have had dessert too. So that was my like, you know, trade-off. Like I, so I didn't, I wasn't a big dessert person. When I found for free, freedom from alcohol, I was like, oh, I get to eat the desserts now because I'm not taking in all those wine calories. And just because yeah. I, I get to if I want to. And it doesn't have to mean there's anything wrong with it. It doesn't have to mean that I'm using it as a, you know, like whatever. It's just that like, this is something I get to do and I can just be, you know, I can ask myself, is, is this something that I want? Yeah, this is what I want. And how does it make me feel? And we talk a lot about that in our coaching that we do. But but I, I say like, have all the chocolate. I mean, this is yeah. this is what you get to do at least that was for me i was like i get to do this because i'm saving all those calories not drinking wine and totally. yeah. like i i lost a dress size and and i eat like really i don't eat in a restrictive way but yeah. it's like i'm not having the those however many extra calories a week so yeah i can eat the dessert i can have like my bag and fries like you know all these things i eat quite in quite a balanced way but I'm not like eat. I used to just be like restrictive, restrictive, restrictive. One cheat meal a week, restrictive, restrictive, restrictive. One cheat meal a week, and now it's much more like balanced. Yeah, has that yeah. changed since you found freedom from alcohol? I mean, that was a shift. Totally. That oh, because I noticed that too. There's like mm-hmm. it's not as I'm not as controlled. Like there's I'm much more like intuitive to like what does my body need today? What am I craving? Okay. Mm-hmm. What and like you know what. Yeah, what do I need? What's going to make me feel good? And and yeah, I just I feel like I'm more in tune with my body in that way. Yeah, it's one of the greatest gifts I think of I agree. being in this space is that, and it goes back to like how we we're saying that like yes, we have to learn it. It's new, so it's different. There's a learning curve, and it's going to take some practice. But what we get in return from being able to do that, like yes, if I want the Reese's peanut butter cup times two, great. Like I'm going to have it, and I'm not going to 
you know, beat myself up for having it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about it in a way that I was when I was, when I was drinking and everything was very, you know, tight and controlled in this like negotiation. And now it's just the freedom to, to, yeah, pay attention to those things. So true. Millie, what did the beginning like of starting this journey look like for you? Like, was it hard? I know one of the things that people want to know is like, what did you tell girlfriends? Like how, how did social situations, how did being out doing all the things that you do look like in the beginning? I was so scared at the beginning. It's so important to be transparent about this. Yep. The first few months were really hard. Mm-hmm. But as every week went by, I felt like less and less anxious. So mm-hmm. that really like kept me going. I also... I'd had therapy before, but I started like specific therapy around substance abuse. Like when I decided to to stop drinking, I, you know, I wouldn't class myself as an alcoholic, but I knew that the way I was using alcohol was really disordered. So I felt like, okay, I want to, I want to have help with this. That's specific someone that is, you know, going to be able to help me through this. And I, and I saw them weekly. For I'd say it was about six months, and that that really helped. And the the thing that felt so scary was like, well, what what am I going to tell people? And like, what am I what am I going to do to have fun? Mm-hmm. And like, yep. how how am I going to socialize? Because I'm actually this like introverted extrovert. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's so weird. <laughs> I think a lot of people. Yeah, you were like abuse alcohol or abuse alcohol, like ah, because yeah. it's like that's yeah. why you feel like so much like you need it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to project this confident, calm, you know, yeah. image of yourself. And I was like, how the hell am I going to deal with these busy social situations? It was something like accepting that I don't enjoy large social groups. I just don't, and I have to actually be honest with myself. That's okay. I'm yeah. much better in small groups or like one to one, and that that's just like maybe it's the way that I am. That and you can't, you shouldn't have to try to change that. It's more of an acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I get, I feel very tired and almost like energetically hungover after being in a large group of people. Oh, I relate to everything that you just mm-hmm. said, every single thing. And that that's been quite a big realization for me. So it's a little like allowing myself to. like being kind to myself almost like I would if I was hungover like you know when we used to drink like hungover and you'd be like oh I'm just gonna it's harder obviously once you've got kids but I'm gonna have a lion I'm gonna you know I'm gonna really wallow in this like all day and just like treat myself because I've got a hangover when you're not drinking you're like it's harder to give that to yourself Mm -hmm. but you actually it's really important like to think okay am I energetically hungover you know, and to treat yourself really kindly still just even though you're not, you don't have like an alcohol hangover, you need to be gentle with yourself when you've been in a big social gathering. But for me, yeah, the first couple of things that I went to, I I kind of looked at my diary and I was like, right, what is not essential? And that like came out. And then the things that I did choose to be at, I made this big thing in my head of like, what am I going to say? And I don't think anyone even asked me at the first one why I wasn't drinking. <laughs> and then I, I remember I chatted to someone else that that's sober. 
and just that was like great perfect I'm going to find my safe person I feel like I can just talk to you about it and also I was kind of at that point of wanting to just find out how it was for them and so I'd kind of find my like sober people at a party that I could speak to a pregnant person always just get this because they're not going to be drinking leave early you know don't don't make yourself don't make it harder for yourself it's hard to be around people that are drinking when this is new and it's hard to be around drunk people for sure it's just irritating and it makes it makes you well it makes me feel like I need a drink to cope with being around them totally a hundred percent one hundred percent so it's like give yourself permission to leave yeah leave early Oh my God, go, arrive early and leave early and like bring your own non-alcoholic drink with you would be my yeah. top tips for the beginning. Yeah, that's so good. I just want to like scoot back to the introvert extrovert thing because yeah. I so related to that. I feel like when you realize, and I think we're all the same here, when you realize that you're recharge alone, it is a game changer. It is totally. a game changer. I was just, I've just come back from three days at Farmhouse and with a big group of girls for a, a friend's 50s. And at one point I literally said, okay, gals, I'm going to, I'm just going to go to my room. I'm going to go to my room. You guys go on, swim, do whatever you're going to do. And I literally just had like a three hour time out by myself. And it felt so good. And it meant that I could then go to dinner and turn myself back on, you know? Yeah, it's so important. I never really enjoyed time on my own before and then when I since being sober I've been like I actually really like my own company and I kind of discovered Mm -hmm. this last year when last December I took myself off for a couple of days and went to like a wellness clinic for like four nights I think four or five nights on my own and I was like oh wow it was it was honestly just like heaven I like read books just, just spent time on my own. I went for walks in nature. Just was like, oh my God, I actually, I'm comfortable with my thoughts. And I'm, you know, just, yeah. I don't need to like run, constantly be distracted and like to run away from my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think solitude is a really important part of my like healing process. And often mm-hmm. when I am feeling overwhelmed and anxious, it's because I have not been prioritizing enough of it. And like, let's be honest, it is really hard to do when mm-hmm. we're like working mums. You know, there's a lot of, I've got a lot of other priorities and it often it just feels impossible mm-hmm. to have that time alone mm-hmm. because other people rely on you. But I'm learning that, you know, prioritizing my own mental well-being is not selfish, but it's still a, a journey because yeah. I, I do I do feel guilty sometimes when I take that time for myself. Yeah. I remember in the beginning it asking me to be like alone by my, I, I was the person I always wanted, you know, music on or listening to, you know, whatever, calling a friend on the phone. I was, I was never by myself. And I like that. And when I started my freedom from alcohol journey, it was like carving out this little bit of like time for stillness and silence and just in solitude. And, and it was, and it was, it turned into my time with the Lord being a Jesus follower, but, but it was, it was painful. It was hard. It was really, really, really hard to just for five minutes to be kind of still by myself when I was used to wanting to like always be around all the people and doing all the things. And, 
now it's just so funny how I'm like, who knew that I actually really enjoy that time? But it's because of that re-energized feeling that I get from having that space. And like you said, Millie, like being like being alone with like your thoughts. And I mean, that's where we have that opportunity to then show up differently, like back. I think that's the 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 thing that is the most surprising. One of the most surprising things to me is, oh, okay, if I take this time away by myself, then actually I'm showing up in a totally different way. That's something that helps me with the guilt. Yeah. But something I had to, you know, kind of learn over time. So I totally, totally get that. Uh, yeah, I think my mindfulness practice has really changed since becoming alcohol free oh what how what do you keep calling it since discovering freedom from alcohol freedom from alcohol okay. i really i really oh. like that i might have to like sit, start using that because please do i've do been it. saying alcohol free but since like discovering freedom from alcohol sounds so nice and really that is like how it feels i would meditate before but now i'd say i've actually realized i was just listening to the guided meditation on the app to feel like I was ticking a box but I wasn't mm. I wasn't and then I was and then I was just sitting and thinking all my different thoughts <laughs> and yeah. being like okay I did it <laughs> perfect I'm you know I'm so zen <laughs> zen. I love that yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like but actually now I'm I actually I've been I'm working with uh like a therapist and doing like this like breath work and I have a personalized like guided breath track that I do every morning and it's like 20 minutes it's like a kind of guided breath and meditation and it's just really about noticing what comes up while you're doing it and not and just observing it and it's it's a really good practice to have and it's helping me notice the different parts that come online the different you know the inner critic the different voices oh yeah Oh, so yeah. the work I'm doing at the moment is that, that it's tuning in. I've actually named mine. And <gasps> so it's helping me to notice. I'm like, oh, okay, there you are. Mm-hmm. And noticing. What's her name? Can you say it? I've called her Karen. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like, the best. I was like, okay, thanks, Karen. I get it. I I know I know noted I know you're just I know you're trying to help but I really don't need you right now and this is part of the the kind of self work right now so probably people are listening they're like what is she on about oh right brilliant and we're right there with you <laughs> yeah I think naming the inner critic is is a good way to really notice like when when they're talking or when yeah when you're having those thoughts yeah. What's been the best, most rewarding part of sharing your alcohol-free story? I just get so many messages from lots, all sorts of different people, but mainly from mums. Yeah. Saying, thank you, you've inspired me, you've helped me on my own journey. And it just feels so good that I am able to help people by spreading the word and being honest and I I was very scared to share about this journey because I I felt like I was going to be judged and would, what would people think? Would people think I had a problem? And would yes. that, like, oh, what if a brand doesn't want to work with me? But I'm kind of so past all of that now. And actually, I think people like the openness, like you said. And I really 
I'm actually enjoying sharing my journey and I find it really cathartic. I love hearing from people. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, I get, I, it helps me following other people who are on their sober journey like you are and that that inspires me to keep going. So if I can be that for somebody else, then that's a great gift. And I feel like I've, all I can do is like, keep sharing and being open and honest about it because it, like you said, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. Like this is where you actually do the work and it's hard. It hurts. It's like you're actually feeling your feelings probably for the first time. And, yes. you know, since you were a teen, because you're not just, you know, pushing them down, drowning them out, numbing. Yeah. You're truly feeling. And I think the, be- the best way to heal is through feeling. I think that's really, truly the only way to heal. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it doesn't, that healing process doesn't go in straight lines. You know, there's bumps in the road. Yeah. Sometimes I yeah. feel like I've taken two steps back because I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, oh God, I'm doing so much work on myself. Like, why do I feel worse than ever? But I know I've just got to keep going. And I am, I really feel like I am already like kind of so much more connected to myself and to my true self and really getting yeah. comfortable with who I really am and figuring that person out. valuing that person showing up more as the person like I want to be in the future Mm -hmm. and getting really into you know my gratitude manifestation just like all of these amazing practices yeah I'm definitely in my self-development era (laughs) I think it's beautiful no time like the present I I like it. I describe my time stuck in the drink. Yeah, like since my teen years, really. I mean, I had a, what, 25-year career of being a, you know, social regular drinker. Not really even, yeah, anyway, sorry for another day. But I was I was pushing the beach. I was trying to push the beach ball under the water. Like I was using all of this energy, just constantly trying to keep that beach ball under the water when it came to emotions. Although I would have told you being naturally empathic, like as an empath that I was very in tune, like I had a lot of emotional intelligence, I thought, but what I had was maybe, you know, emotional intelligence for other people, but I was not in touch with my emotional, uh, you know, states, if you will, pushing that beach ball under the water. That's what I was doing. And once I found freedom from alcohol, it was it's like, oh, the energy that I was using to push that underwater I mean, that was exhausting. Now I have this new energy. Yeah. And so while I, you know, I'm getting to to feel feelings that I've never felt, even the ones that really like grief and sadness. And I mean, at times like despair for, you know, the world our kids are growing up and all the things that you can get so overwhelmed by. Even when I am in the thick of it with those emotions, it is still a thousand times better mm-hmm. and more freeing and more light and more because I'm actually, you know, walking into it as opposed to trying to just keep pushing, pushing the, down. And yeah. the more you try to push it down, it's just going to come up harder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's going to come up and it's going to come out and yelling at the kids and my husband in a way or showing up in a way that's not, yeah, it's way crazier than I do now. But have you kind of picked up any new hobbies or like discovered anything new that you like to do that you didn't? that you weren't interested in before you were drinking? I think I told you this when we had lunch. I play paddle. I want you to play. I want you to come play paddle. (laughs) I've had it so much fun. 
I am so uncoordinated because I have dyspraxia. So I really worry that I just, I can't hit a ball. Like I can't even hit a tennis ball and paddles really fast. (laughs) But hey, like I'm sure I could learn. Never say never. Apparently it's really fun. It It does look fun. Super fun. It's super fun. (laughs) But what about you? What have you picked up or, or started? Okay, so I, since I started my my alcohol-free journey, I felt that I would never dance again because I I feel quite awkward in my body. I don't feel like I'm somebody that's naturally like a a dancer. I've never very, I've never felt kind of confident, like moving, like moving my body. Like I remember when I was a teen, I went to a summer school and I signed up to do this dance like group. And I couldn't learn the routine and the girls laughed at me. And, I, you know, it's like going back to these feelings of just being embarrassed and uncomfortable. And then whenever I was at a party and there was music, people were dancing, I would be drunk. So it felt suddenly easier to dance. And that's mm-hmm. the only way I ever felt comfortable dancing since, like, since I was a teenager. So when I've been to, when I went to weddings over the summer, like people would be on the dance floor and would be like kind of trying to pull me onto the dance floor to join them. And I was just like stiff with like this fear of like, oh God, I can't, I feel so uncomfortable. And it just felt too much. I was like, I can't. And I would just run away and like not be anywhere near the dance floor and, and leave early. And I was like, that's, that's kind of a shame because, you know, dancing is fun and I love music and I just thought maybe, maybe just, I have to accept that without alcohol, dancing is just not for me. Then I went on this retreat in the summer and it was like a kind of spiritual healing retreat. One of the things I discovered there was this thing called five rhythms dancing. And it's like a kind of yogic type of dancing where you move through these different five rhythms and you're not dancing with anybody else. You can do it with your eyes closed. And it's just literally about like the freedom of moving your body, how it wants to move and expressing more emotion like with your body. And I was so resistant to doing it. On the day that I knew it was happening, I had like a stomach ache. It was all anxiety. I literally was like, I'm not going to be able to do it. I think I'm ill. I can't. And all of this resistance was showing up in my body because I needed to do it. I did it for like two hours. I just stayed in the corner, mainly with my eyes closed. But I started to get into it and I had this massive release where I cried and cried. Hmm. And I was like, wow, I need to unlock like the key for me to unlocking like my uh, my healing is through this dancing and through movement so it's something I've been like trying to do more in London I've been going to a couple of different ecstatic dances they do them different like different venues in London and I and I've been going with I've made a few like new friends that are more into it and I don't think any of my old friends would be up for going with me (laughs) and and I'm really enjoying it. It's very freeing. It's mm. just like, here I am. I don't care like how I look to, to anyone else. Mm. And it's just about how it feels. Mm-hmm. And I, I often still stand kind of on the edge with my eyes mainly closed. And I kind of feel envious when I see the people that are really free just going for it. But I also know that that jealousy is just because that's somewhere I want to be. Yeah. And that's okay because it's a journey and I just happen to be at the beginning of it. But even since doing it a couple of times, I can feel this shift where I just feel different in my body. And it's, mm. it's uh, I think after being in the public eye for 
over 10 years, I kind of do feel so like aware of how I'm perceived. Yeah. How other people see me and wanting to always be perfect and look good and look like if I'm doing something, I have to be doing it well and not in a way that someone could like laugh at me and like presenting this like feeling I have to present like this kind of like perfect image. And it's something just so freeing in this way of dancing. So it's something I've just got to keep doing and learning from. So my, uh, my Friday nights might look a bit different now. <laughs> I love that so much. But it's, it's also everyone there isn't drinking. It's a sober space. Yeah. And I really want to be able to go feel like I can go to music festivals and things like that again in the future and wellness ones as well. But not only, you know, kind of a wellness festival where maybe lots of people aren't drinking, but actually just any festival and feel like I can just dance and have fun and, and have that freedom and, and just find that joy. Mm-hmm. Well, when you go to the ones with all the people who are drinking, they're, they're not, they can't even pay attention to what you're doing because they're, they're, they're either drunk or they're thinking about getting their next drink. And the reason why I know, you know, or hitting the bathroom or, you know, what's the line look like or, or how should I, do I need to eat, you know, whatever which I know because that I, I was that person when I, you know, used to go to concerts and things before, but I've been to many now and it's like, like nobody's paying attention to me. They're, they're focused mm-hmm. on their beverages and yeah, which does offer some freedom because I, like you, yeah, I would be the first one on the dance floor if it was, you know, a, a booze fest, but since finding freedom from alcohol, it's taking a little bit, taking a little bit more to be, yeah, that, that free, but it's coming. Yeah. It's I so good. realized that your feet, like, was at a wedding over the summer? It was like the fr- actually the first one. And by the time the dancing rolled around and I had been like heels, the whole, I'm like, this hurt like to dance. And it never hurt when I was drunk. No. You couldn't feel it. So true. Yeah. What are some of your favorite alcohol free brands, options, all the things? Yes. Okay. So I love this and I love having good alternatives. Mm-hmm. I really like Trip because mm-hmm. I, I like CBD. I use CBD throughout the day and, and at bedtime, like every day, because I just feel it just helps with my anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I like that you can get it in this drink form. It's not super sweet. And if you do have like one or two at a party or social gathering, it does make me just feel slightly calmer in that mm-hmm. social situation. And, and, Mm-hmm. I think that's a really nice option. I also discovered a brand recently called Three Spirit. I don't know if you've tried them. They do one called the Social Elixir, and it's got a certain blend, like blend of botanicals that are meant to kind of give you a bit of a natural high. Mm-hmm. And I had it when I was socializing a couple of months ago, and I and I definitely felt like a kind of lift in my mood. I don't know if it's just placebo effect but it definitely I was like oh I actually feel a bit energized and more chatty Mm -hmm. so they've got a couple of different ones that are nice like with ice or you can make them into a cocktail a mocktail I these are kind of my favorites like if I want like a sparkling option I quite like wild idol and yeah my main thing is like that I don't like if I go out and as a mocktail menu just when it's really sugary because I do get a sugar hangover Mm-hmm. If I'm going out, I will get a virgin mojito and ask for it without sugar, mm-hmm. like a sugar-free one. I yeah, or a, a mule. Yeah, and yeah. I and I cut the ginger beer and 
mostly soda water. Yeah, for the same, cut the sugar. I'm yeah, what are your favorites? I was going to say, I'm wondering if some of those are UK specific. I don't know if they're ever yeah. here in the States. Wild Idol, I don't think is in the States yet. I don't like, think Am I just are. way out of the, the NA beverage, you know, game or do, yeah, or are they just not available over here? But I'm excited to know about those. There's, yeah, there's so many options here now. And like, I'm going, I'm going to a social gathering this weekend. The host very kindly already messaged me to be like, what should we like have to serve for you? And I was like, oh, don't worry. Honestly, I've got like loads at home anyways. I'm just going to bring some. I think it's always nice to, to show up with it because I don't think you can always expect your host. That's true. To know yeah. like what to offer. And if you do have a brand that you really like, then I just, I just think it's better just to bring it with. Yeah. Um, I find sometimes like when I've been abroad, that's not like in different places in Europe. <laughs> I was in like mm-hmm. Paris. And it was basically like champagne or water when I was at a party recently. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I not everywhere seems to have caught up. But in the UK, I think we're very lucky with how many awesome. different options we've got. What yeah. are your favorites? I was going to say, have you tried any of the alcohol-free wines at all? I have to say, apart from the sparkling ones, I haven't found one that I love. Okay. So for me, wine has kind of become something I'm just like, I'm not going to have that alternative because I don't think it's like going to give me the exact same flavor that I wanted actually yeah kind of that's not something I even want anymore I'm I'm yeah I am my favorite thing is to have like more like a cold refreshing drink that I'll make in a big glass with lots of ice yeah yeah, yeah. every every afternoon around the same time that I would you know be excited about opening the bottle of wine I have a fever tree uh sparkling grapefruit it's mm. low calorie low sugar but I do that with a little LaCro- I mix it with some LaCroix to you know, cut it even more and add some ice cubes. It's pink and pretty and I put it in the glass and it's, it's, yeah, it's delightful. I do, I went through a time where I was ordering some dry seco. I forget the name of the brand. I think it's Groovy has one and there's another one. Sobe has some sparkling AF wine or de-alcoholized wine yeah. that I find to be really, really good, but not something that I so I went to visit a girlfriend not too long ago and I sent and my I sent a picture of the kids of like this dinner that we made and and we had our NA wines on the table and, and one of my kids like texted back like are you trying what? I'm like yes alcohol free wine yeah <laughs> but yeah so having that from time to time but it's not something that like I like I look forward to my little sparkling you know mocktail if you will every afternoon the same way I used to my wine but I don't have to have alcohol free wines it's if it's there, it's great. But yeah, I haven't really found a ton that I think tastes good or doesn't have junk in them. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't exactly. Want junk. You, you become more aware of like what you're oh, consuming. Yeah. I definitely had a this moment where I had had maybe four mocktails like for one evening, and I woke up the next morning and I really felt like I kind of had a hangover, and I was like, "What yes. the hell?" Like I wasn't even drinking alcohol, and it was just really from the sugar content. So yeah. from then on, I've been much more conscious of not you know kind of having those sugary alternatives so like um, i don't want to wake up with a kind of hangover from mocktails i was like that's ridiculous so i'm much more conscious with the sugary ones now i also drink a lot of kombucha which is really like, good for your gut and mm-hmm. that's another alternative that i really like and I, I i have kombucha pretty much every day i went through a phase where that was my like every afternoon before i found the fever tree that was my yeah and there were a lot of there are a lot of good ones out there for sure what about can i ask has your relationship with like coffee changed since becoming alcohol free because i keep 
I keep, I keep, like, maybe, I keep, another hour. <laughs> I keep being like, maybe I should stop drinking coffee. Then I'm like, it just feels like I just, it's like the last thing I like, I'm like, I can't. Okay. So sugar's gone. I don't eat gluten. I barely eat dairy. Like all these things that I know are like not great for my body, but I've got two young kids, but then I do feel like sometimes coffee is not helping with my anxiety and I'll try to quit for a few days and then, but yeah, I, I think it is probably something that should go for me. Chrissy, you want to go first? Sure. It's getting through those first, you know, like four or five days. So I've done, I've done this twice. I'm currently Mm. off it again. Are you? I was going to say, I can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm back off of it. It's been, it's been a while now. But it, it was going then back to it, right? Like having a bad night's sleep, getting up and having it and noticing it actually from not having had it, what it did to my heart rate, my blood sugar, my stress. And yeah. I was like, holy guacamole, I was drinking this every single morning, multiple cups of this morning. And so it's like just that the half. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it felt like I was on drugs or something. It was wild. I think we're all like quite kind of sensitive people, and it's definitely something I've been able to notice more recently. And I think I wouldn't have noticed it if I was still drinking. But yeah, Yeah. noticing, okay, actually, I didn't, I had like two that day, and then I didn't sleep that well that night. Or, you know, actually, Mm -hmm. okay, I had like racing thoughts in that meeting. Maybe I shouldn't have had a coffee right before I went in and like met those people I hadn't talked Mm -hmm. to before and being more conscious with it. Yeah. I think things like matcha also don't maybe give you the same spike. So there's maybe just like a swap because I find the headaches when I try to completely go. Oh, yeah, they're horrible. Caffeine-free are really hard. So breaking up with coffee was, I did that before I broke up with wine. And and so, yeah, so I have a little bit of a different experience. And and, and it was just one of those, too, where I, w- I was noticing that it, like, I'm like, why am I, why do I feel like I'm newly pregnant every afternoon at two o'clock in the afternoon when, it, anyway, and so I did this little experiment and it, like you, Christy, it was like not having it really highlighted for me how it was affecting me. So I had no, no trouble breaking up with it. Then, then I broke up with wine and then, and then I, now I drink like the, the matcha, the green tea, it, it helps you focus without accelerating your heart rate. I so I'll have a matcha latte. I have a little like $30 frother and oat milk and and that's delicious. I'll have that sometimes. I also have a I became a tea drinker. So that's something that like, for the longest time I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to be a tea drinker. And I couldn't find anything I I know. But and I couldn't find anything that I liked. And then I found this found this one that I love. And now I order that and I have that shipped in and it's like every single day. Um, around 11 a.m. I, I wait. I don't do it like first thing. So it's not like tied to like, I need this to like wake up and start my day. But around, you know, mid-morning, I make my cup of tea and I have that and it's and it's lovely. And it's something about the ritual too of the hot and the, I mean, similar to like coffee yeah. it was for me as well. Um, so learn how wine is. Yeah. I do love the coffee ritual and I do drink quite a lot of decaf now as well. Like I was <laughs> just drinking oh, yeah. this. Is like, this is like an iced coffee in a can decaf. It just it just feels nice after lunch to have that. Yeah. But without the caffeine. But yeah, I think I need to properly just break up with coffee, little caffeinated coffee, because like mostly I notice that I don't feel great on the days that I have it. Like I'm I'm stressed more easily, more likely to feel anxious. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to be like, I'm like, okay, I've already I've already given I up know, so I much. Know. 
Yeah. I just have my one thing still. Yeah. And you don't have to, right? Like, I mean, keep drinking it as long as it works for you. Like we always say with alcohol, like with wine, like, I mean, keep drinking it as long as it's working for you. Keep going. But I will say something I'll learn with it. Just a little sidebar here with the coffee, like crop does tend to have more of the, you know, unless you're, and maybe you have a really clean coffee. And so maybe that's not, not the case, but that was something that I noticed too. Like if I'm going to drink tea, it's going to be like really clean, so to speak, because it oftentimes it's the extra stuff that's being thrown into it that can do all that stuff. Fatigue. Yeah, I found this, this chicory root, like coffee alternative called like not coffee. Oh, no. Oh. And that's really good because it's good for your digestion. It's like prebiotic. Yeah. And it, it tastes really nice with a bit of oat milk. So that's one of my favorites at the moment. Oh, Ooh, I'm going to write that down and try that. I like that. It's just called not coffee. Not coffee. Uh, that sounds pretty perfect. See, it's not that's coffee. Awesome. Oh. Oh, well, Millie, I want to be respectful of your time. And I just thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're so grateful for you. And again, I know I already said this, but I think what you're doing to be open and vulnerable and shed a light on this stuff and and say the real stuff is so, so incredibly valuable to so many people. So we appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for giving me this space to just like have these conversations. It's so important. And I can't wait to hear this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much. What fun it's been. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk all day. Okay. Well, you've got my number, so we literally can. Yeah, I know. Like, we should we should go for like a mocktail. Yeah, me, me, you'll have to fly over from Atlanta. Yeah, okay. I yeah, will. I will. Fly over. I'll just <laughs> zip right, zip right across. Sounds great. Thanks, babe. Thank, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com. and make sure you follow us over on the gram at. Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.